Welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Our guest today is Dustin Adams, the founder of We Are One Composites. Many of you remember Dustin from his DH days. This dude was fast. And others of you know of Dustin as the guy behind We Are One, the company making carbon rims and wheels and other bike stuff in British Columbia. And in this conversation, I talked to Dustin about what it's like being a composites manufacturer in Kamloops, BC. We talk about Dustin's path from racing DH to starting We Are One. We talk about what it's like being a manufacturer in this time of COVID-19. And we talk about We Are One's next big release. And then, before I let him go, I asked Dustin to share with us one of his best big ideas. So there's a lot going on in this conversation, and let's go ahead and get right to it. Well, Dustin, how are you today, and where are you today? Today is a living life day by day. I'm in the shop right now. Uh, we're still running flat out. We've got our three shifts that are, uh, or sorry, I guess we've, it's become three shifts that are still manufacturing products and uh, trying to adjust every day. It almost seems like by every hour with the uh, the current COVID conditions um, that we're uh, that we're seeing across the uh, across the globe. Yeah. So just in case people don't know, where exactly? are the We Are One headquarters? Yeah, we're in uh, Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada, uh, which is about a four-hour drive northeast of Vancouver. Okay, and I want to get to sort of what it's like being a manufacturer in in our current sort of COVID environment. But before we do that, let's say... Well, I guess you wouldn't be doing it right now because you'd be like trying to socially distance yourself from strangers. But let's say you get, you know, on a bus, somebody sits down next to you and they're like, you know, what do you do? You say you run a company. What's the company? How do you answer that question these days? Oof, the company. What's the company? <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, you definitely, we are a manufacturer. There's no doubt about it. That's our, that's our our model, we've based it around a vertically integrated manufacturing uh, where we control and own 100% of our processes from the ground up. If it's engineering, uh, design, manufacturing, uh, uh, to selling uh, direct to consumer and direct to uh, dealer, uh, we just focus all of our attention to carbon composites and we sell everything we can um, under the sun in the mountain bike uh, industry. So. I guess uh, that's kind of the, the the long story of it all. But yeah, we just, uh, if I was sitting on a bus, I would say that I'm a carbon composites manufacturer uh, in the uh, in the mountain bike industry. That's pretty good. That's a pretty succinct way of doing it. Yeah, I guess you got to kind of yeah. hit all the key points, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I mean, the whole, the whole backstory here is something we'll see how deep we go on this, but... Um, if then that same person on the bus says, so when did, when did this company start? What do you give as the start date for We Are One? Uh, conceptually, we started in August of 2016. Uh, we moved into our facility in January 2017, and that's January 1st. Uh, that's the date of incorporation for the company. 
uh, and everything started to move forward from there on. Yeah, uh, we brought the first rim to market in June, June 1st, 2017. Not so long ago, and yet it, in a way it probably feels like about, you know, 30 years ago, I would imagine. Yeah, a few gray hairs ago, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a fun ride. It's been tough. Lots of lessons learned. Uh, lots of personal growth. Lots of growth within the team. Yeah, we've we've achieved a lot with uh, with what we have. That's for sure. As far as the company goes, I do want to ask you about this incredibly timely subject of what it's like being a composites manufacturer in British Columbia when COVID is the only thing any of us are really talking about. How much has this affected you guys? What are you concerned about? What's life like? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely affected us. We've, we've seen sales drop off. I think every company under the sun can, can see that right now. There's a lot of current hesitation. The benefit for us or the positive that I take away from it is we chose to become manufacturers in North America based on the fact that I could see tensions rising in China with the U.S. economy and, and the way that the president was taking things. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we could not so much be a part of bringing manufacturing back, but that we could shore up our potential and we could claim our stake uh, here, stake our claim here in, uh, in Canada and manufacture parts here. So as much as this is an absolute horrible atrocity to the world, and, and I, I can't state that enough, it's, it's, it's really, really tough times. And um, I hope everybody is safe and, and that we all come out of this with a lot of knowledge and the right actions to take the next time we see this. Uh, us as a company is excited to move forward because I think it's going to help kind of position North American manufacturers in a better position as well as kind of twisted that mindset is it's not something that I'm super positive to share and I'm not here to pound the drum but that's kind of you know that is a benefit that we look at and we have uh, tried to make that a reality from from day one. I mean talk to us a little bit about just some of the logistical or kind of the behind the scenes element on the one hand you're still manufacturing but in terms of like a supply chain for you guys are you concerned about that getting disrupted or talk a little bit about how sort of that works. Yeah, so the minute the the COVID-19 pandemic became a big problem, we made the smart decision to stock up with our, our carbon supplier. And we do, I would say, 90% of our business within a 500 kilometer radius, aside from hmm. Supim and I-9 and Onyx, I guess. I guess the, all of our hub vendors are a little bit far away, but the people that we buy the most amount of product from is our carbon vendor and they're really close to us and we put in a large uh, large order that we've got in storage and uh, we will be good to manufacture for six months and uh, without having to pick up any new material so as far as the major pains of supply chain the most expensive part being the carbon we're all good um, that was just a quick adjustment and a quick phone call with our vendor and that was taken care of as far as like uh, in the factory it's you know we we have taken a number of different uh, protocols and safety steps to make sure that everybody's remaining uh, as far as away they can from each other. We've positioned um, a maximum amount of people on each shift and we even spread it into three shifts now to make sure that everyone can continue to work um, and, and keep a safe distance. 
and then we have all of our uh, you know cleaning on top of that so you have bleaching like crazy I think we've gone through like four or five bottles of bleach this in the last two weeks it's hmm. quite crazy but yeah I mean we're doing everything we can to maintain uh, our position and keep keep moving forward it's a uh, manufacturing um, we've also implemented that our employees go to work and from work and don't really uh, partake in much else uh, and if they are kind of doing that then you need to self-isolate and take some time off so everybody here is under the understanding that this is a very serious time and uh, we're doing our best to, to continue being able to work and, and a lot of people don't find that uh, themselves in that position so um, it's being taken very seriously. Well, this is going to be an interesting one because we've got a whole lot of like kind of current topics and current news to be talking on. You also happen to have an incredibly interesting backstory. So um, I'm going to have to try to thread the needle here and um, might just end up bouncing a bit from kind of the present to maybe what you guys have coming up next to talking a bit about the past. Um, you had kind of a heck of a race career and from where you're sitting today worried about things like you know the covid virus and keeping manufacturing going um how are you looking back on this race career today oh yeah i i mean i there's a lot of uh that's a it's a tough one there's a lot of regrets with that uh i never got to achieve what i set out to achieve as a racer i was uh you know i was sadly hit by a car and had it all kind of very abruptly taken away from me um i think a couple poor poor sponsor choices along the way also assisted in that and uh yeah i, I quit when i was 24 years old so you know kind of right in what i would consider getting close to the prime of of where you should be as a racer and and getting ready to taper within a three-year period of that and retiring at 30 and um didn't really achieve that so looking back am I happy with what I did yeah I, I I can accept it am I content I don't think so I think I definitely continually battle with that demon and uh, wish that I had reached my full potential there um, but uh, you know not life doesn't always go as planned you got to kind of make uh, make do with the best and uh, and make the most out of those situations I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we saw in terms of the potential, just some of the results, I mean, speak for themselves, right? I mean, a 2002 season, third overall in the Norba standings, um, you beat a lot of kind of household name racers in your day before this kind of career got, you know, cut short. So yeah, I guess on the one hand, I, I can see the regret, but on the other hand, I still think like, this is not, this wasn't merely a hypothetical, right? Like you had the results. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I was just getting started. Um, mm -hmm. I know that within and I can look back and, and, and I can accept that, that, you know, it may not have been where I wanted to, or I didn't get to perform to the level that I wanted to consistently and, and be there. But the, sh the short three year period where I was, I guess you considered moving really quickly up the ladder. Um, I was happy with, with what I achieved and there's some good good results on there for sure. I mean, I stood on the podium at a World Cup and had my chance uh, numerous times to win a few Norbas, position myself in second place and some really solid overalls and some Canadian National Championship winners and 
um, all together, and it was it was decent. I mean, we had a pretty pretty big group of guys racing, and a lot of those guys are even still racing today, if you can believe it. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, all in all, I'm I'm okay with that. One of the things I'm fascinated by is you kind of hang up the racing career. You take some time off. You start a company, not in the bike industry. Can you talk to us a little bit about that period of your life? And where I'm going with this is then eventually you turn around and start, we are one. And so, you know, there's a little bit of that saying like, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, you know, shame on me. It's like, this is a dude who's now started two companies. That's either gutsy or, you know, crazy. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about this evolution for you. Yeah, I mean, it, after racing stopped, I, I tried to, to take on, you know, pretty much, I was going to do an apprenticeship as a carpenter, an electrician. I tried many things, just try to get a career going. And uh, I quickly learned that I just don't do well with others. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I beat to my own drum. It was great being a mountain bike racer. You could push yourself to the limit that you found uh, acceptable um, and sometimes you can achieve great things if you if you do that and in a career when you're you know working with other people and, you, and you're reliant on ownership from another you know managerial standpoint those things don't always align with your values so I've learned quickly that business was a sweet spot for me where I could um, achieve my own success and ultimately it was on me if it failed or if it succeeded and I, I really like that I, I, you know, that risk wasn't as big for me as maybe as it is for others. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, started the stone business, ran that for eight years, um, successfully sold it and, uh, just decided that it was, you know, actually didn't decide when I sold it or why I sold it to get back into biking. I actually took eight months, uh, with my family and we traveled Southeast Asia and, under you know many many conversations over over beers and gaining 40 pounds <laughs> that uh, <laughs> the uh it was probably a great idea if i came back and did what i was passionate about and i stopped kind of um pushing that beast down in uh, deep inside like i had been for the last eight years and uh, my wife and me got back and we packed up our our stuff and moved to squamish and uh in you know, full intentions to getting somehow back into the bike industry. Well, let's, let's kind of maybe fast forward a little bit to the part where like just before starting, we are one, you could have done all kinds of different things. You were like, I'm going to start a company. There's going to be a focus on composite manufacturing in the mountain bike space. How do we get there? Um, well, when I, when I got back to, or when we moved to Squamish, I was actually, believe it or not, as an, I would, I took the, the first job I could that was uh, going to allow me to have the kind of the lifestyle that we needed to live in Vancouver. It's not, an, it's not a cheap place to be. So I was actually selling stone for um, uh, Caesar Stone, which was a, a large uh, quartz manufacturer from Israel. And I took a job with them. They knew me from um, being a vendor from the past. And along that way, I ended up um, getting in touch with uh, the owners of Noble Wheels uh, Trevor, um, and Ryan, they were looking for a production manager at the time and I ended up meeting with them, learning a bit about carbon wheels. I was really out of touch with the industry at the time. I had no idea that carbon fiber was even possible in the, in the rim space. So it was kind of an eye opener even for me. And that was in 2015, early 2015. 
late 2014 and uh, ended up buying into that company, um, becoming an owner. Uh, when I came on with Nova Wheels, they were working out of Trevor's house. Uh, they were selling everything through uh, a local distribution company. Um, and I learned very quickly about, you know, direct consumer sales, learned very quickly about, you know, uh, this carbon wheel entity and this industry that was going on. Um, a lot about the manufacturer we were dealing with, which uh, was in China. And we made a trip to, to the manufacturer for two weeks. And basically, with all of the knowledge I had from manufacturing in the past, spent very, I guess, pointed time kind of analyzing where and what was going on and, and some of the challenges that we were facing already and coming up with solutions, but not really sharing those solutions with uh, the current ownership because they were really gung-ho to continue manufacturing with uh, Light Bicycle and I was more keen to do something else. Um, so yeah, that was kind of where I cut my teeth in the carbon world and we ended up parting ways in, uh, at Interbike in 2016 after I'd proposed the, that we bring manufacturing to North America and, uh, hmm. and take something on ourselves because we could do that and it was the perfect time to do it. And uh, unfortunately, the other two owners of Noble decided that it was better to stay with the Asian manufacturer and they were developing a relationship uh, to help bring light bicycles over to North America and to take that entity on, entity on. And I thought that that would create a lot of confusion with uh, consumers being one and not, you know, Noble Wheels as a brand and then also kind of not really, you know, how are we going to manage the, the, the fact that we also sell for light bicycle in North America and how is that going to look and the brand perception. And not only that, it was like the long term of it all, what kind of value are you going to bring when you you just kind of are selling a product that's pre-manufactured that you're not really in control of, so to speak. You have a, you know, there was no, there was no engineer on staff at the time. There was no, um, no one there to really help drive and, and progress the product. Uh, it was more reliant on the actual manufacturer to do that for us. So all of that I saw as a big kind of like roadblock as to how far that company could go. And um, I tried to pitch basically what We Are One is today to them um, and it, was, uh, it wasn't received very well. So at that point I decided to sell my shares and, uh, and start up We Are One. Yeah, difference of vision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with what those guys have on the go, and I, I wish them all the best. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a different uh, different path for sure. Yeah. So Kamloops, BC isn't maybe exactly the first place people think of when it comes to, like, high-end carbon fiber manufacturing. So talk to us a little bit about that decision to set up shop in Kamloops and did that create any extra challenges for you kind of getting things off the ground? Um, yeah, I mean, so Kamloops is, is a very blue collar town. Uh, it's hard work in town. Uh, I knew that when we move here, we would have trouble attracting the, the key components, like the, maybe, you know, the en engineers and the, the design staff and whatnot will be a challenge. But as far as getting the labor to go ahead and, and, make the the actual products themselves and, and make manufacturing possible, this was the perfect place to be. Kamloops itself, a lot of people, if you go back in the history of time and you look at the athletes that have come from Kamloops, has a very bright mountain bike history. We have a, a ton of trails here and it's 
yet to be discovered because I think a lot of people still think it's just a bunch of rednecks in the middle of Canada that, you know, log and, <laughs> and, and run paper mills. And that's fine. We'd like to keep it that way so we don't have to worry <laughs> about it. But, um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a very large amount of very well-known popular athletes in the mountain bike space that have come from Kamloops, either been born here, raised here, or currently live here. And, uh, you know, we've got an Olympian with Catherine Pendrel. We've got all of the fro riders from Richie Schlade to Wade Sims to Brett Tippy. All those guys came from Kamloops. A number of really top free riders like uh, Graham Agassi, um, you know, Dylan Sherrard, Matt Hunter. Uh, you know, there's an, a, a plethora of people about to explode out of this place as well as the young guns come on. Um, so it, it seemed like the right place for me because I, you know, I also came from here and, and it, it is home. And I know that, uh, there's a lot of passion in, in, in mountain biking here. And specifically, I mean, in the time I spent in Squamish, the two years I was away from here, the explosion that we saw here in one trail use ridership and the actual growth of the actual, um, association here was insane. You'd never seen anything like it. Uh, so it, it really made a lot of sense to, to come back. So maybe just to follow up on that, though, in terms of any sort of challenges, let's put it this way, specific challenges or specific advantages that you think you guys find, you know, again, being a carbon manufacturer in that specific location. I, I, there's, I literally can't find a single negative point, and I'm being honest about it, because right now we've had this massive incoming or I guess what do you call like an influx of, of very skilled highly talented individuals that are engineers and whatnot that want to get out of the city that want to come where somewhere where a house doesn't cost a million dollars we have you know low population base uh, there's great outdoor activities in all forms from you know anything you want to do outside you name it it's all happening here and it's easy access and it's not crowded um, so for us right now, finding talent, if we've been on the talent search, we have been for a composites engineer. We don't have one applying or, you know, searching for one or having to hire somebody. We've got hundreds of resumes that we have to go through and interview for that position. So right now for us, uh, yeah, we're, we're in a very sweet spot for sure. Man, can you tell those guys to stop building shit in the background? <laughs> Yeah, the banging and the crashing. It's part of what we do, unfortunately. The, the podcast guys, you aren't going to get like raving reviews for the quality. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, I'm like, I want to start a fight with your team. Be like, shut the fuck up. And they're like, you shut the fuck up. Dustin's supposed to be building shit over here and you're talking his damn ear off. Time, no, time is money down there, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk to you about your product line. I guess these things are all sort of relative, but from an outside perspective, I'd say that it looks like you guys have been sort of expanding at a pretty rapid clip. Um, I'm curious, one, if you agree with that, if it feels like that to you, or if it's like, no, nah, not really. It kind of feels like an organic you know, progression of the things we're offering. So I guess there's two questions there. Um, does it feel like you guys are sort of pedal to the metal right now? And then two, let's just actually talk about the current current product lineup. Yeah, I mean, the reason why we've done this here is because of the actual speed we can operate. If anything, I would say we've had to slow down um, because if we did go at the, at the pace we have the ability to go at, 
we would have a new product every single year uh, and we could replace our rim model lineup no problems so we're learning so fast and we're learning so much about everything from manufacturability to composites quality to resin structure fibers you name it we're testing everything here and we're learning every day we haven't stopped learning since we started so when we first came on the market with the agent lineup and the insider and i guess we end up calling it the movement lineup to kind of differentiate ourselves we knew that we could make something better uh within the first six months of producing that product so we were you know sitting around on that in 2018 going we can make this better let's go for it let's go for it and we're like well it hasn't even been a year yet guys let's hmm. what are we doing so the revolution line we've we've already got you know a number of things that we're working on in design and in fiber um uh, and resin structures that's going to make that product line even better and you know we have to slow down and kind of instead of focusing on constantly improving uh you know night and day steps uh we're choosing to go in a different path and that's uh making other products yeah it's it's tough at times because of the knowledge we're gaining and the speed that we could go uh to step back and go like you know well that's just this is good enough for now but um at, at a point you have to bring the product to market and allow the consumers to enjoy what you've put forth uh, in the first place i guess let's stay on sort of rims and wheels for a minute here for you personally, what is your primary thing that you want a wheel to do or how you want a wheel to feel? Do you have a clear first priority personally? Oof. Well, personally, I'm not hard on wheels at all. Um, I've never broken one of our products. I've never, I think I've only broke one wheel to the point where it's folded in half and I was unable to get out of the park or out of the trail network. Uh, if you can believe it, it was in an enduro race and it used to be uh, one of those Crank Brothers 24 hole mid spoke kind of deals, huh. like super light cross country wheel that I was enduro racing on and I ended up folding that thing in half after I think the fourth event. So almost a half a season on them. So really not hard on stuff. But for me, what I look for is a, uh, a good ride feel that's the first and foremost and most important thing uh, that the wheel has some give and you're able to tune that in the layup. Um, and then after that would be uh, how well the tire profile fits onto it. Um, yep. And that's the, the in, in internal width. And I think the good thing is right now is a lot of the tire manufacturers are agreeing that there's, there's one that's really hot. So they're focusing some attention there. Turns out carbon wheels and rims are not exactly, um, you know, waning in terms of popularity and there's, there, you know, more companies are producing them. How do you like kind of think about and survey the kind of carbon rim and carbon wheel landscape? Well, it's, it's tough. I mean, the mountain bike industry as a whole is very fixated on weight. Weight has always been the, the forefront of the reasoning between or behind what's a good product and what's not a good product. It's lighter and it's stronger. And I think we're at this point right now where weight, and it's not because we can't make it light, but for what we do on these machines uh, and what we expect out of them, you can't have it all. You have to play to the 90% to the rule. And that's kind of how we position ourselves. So can we achieve a, a, a reasonable weight, a reasonable ride feel, and a reasonable impact resistance 
in comparison to everything because you can't have it all. If you go impact resistance, you're going to have a, a, a wheel that rides like a, a wagon wheel and it's going to be super rigid um, and it's probably not going to be that light either. Um, so you're always kind of playing and positioning to the target and some companies might target their their, their design differently than, than, than others. I mean, I, I know that we've heavily gone on ride feel and we've heavily gone on impact um, and weight we've pretty much thrown to the side and said that's not all that important to us um, and that's where we've positioned ourselves and, and spent our time and I think that it would be hard pressed to find anybody that would argue that mm-hmm. both of those are not true um, mm-hmm. from our customers to our, our people that have reviewed our product um, to everybody out there that I can speak to. There's not one person that's ever come back mm-hmm. saying either of those are negative. So, um, but we definitely hear a lot that our product is too heavy. And when we talk about heavy, we're talking about like 20 to 100 grams here and there. So, if people are caught up on that, then that's uh, that's they're not our customer. <laughs> yeah, go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I love it when manufacturers and companies are actually clear about this and don't just try to do the bullshit like. It's the best for everyone at everything for all times, you know? It's like, it's just, that's lazy and dishonest. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, it's a little heavier. It's really good. It's got a really good ride feel. It's like, okay, I I know what I'm into, right? Or I know what I'd be getting. Um, So, yeah, I like that kind of specificity and clarity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to do everything like everybody else who wouldn't have anything that would differentiate us as a company, right? I mean, we, we need to do what we believe in and what we think is the best and, uh, you know, uh, let the, let the customers and the consumers decide if that's, if that's a hit or not. Right. Mm -hmm. More pretty current event stuff. You're working with industry nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you mentioned that briefly, but, um, but yeah, tell us a bit more about that. Oh, it's, uh, it was about a year in the making. Well, maybe not a year, eight, nine months in the making. I, uh, we had a meeting with, um, industry nine and I said, you know, kind of off the cuff that, Hey, if you guys are looking at a a Canadian or a North American made product, you know, we'd love to help you out. We've got capacity. And instead of trying to flood the market, we'd be, you know, willing to, to work together on a, on a project and, and get you guys up and running in the, in the carbon mountain bike space better than your current offering. And they were looking at getting uh, some improvements and some changes done to their current offering. And then it was just timing. It worked really well. And they liked some of the samples we sent their way to ride and they tested out our product and they were really favorable. And a lot of their wheel build staff were really excited about the product and the way it built up. And I think helped win our position there and uh, we came up with a plan and a, um, a target as to what they wanted and uh, yeah we put it in place and now they've got a, a fantastic prod- product that uh, you know we make the rim here then they build it up with their aluminum spoke system there and uh, people can be really really happy with it. Continuing on with sort of recent event stuff I wanted to ask you about the Kona World Cup team We've got, it's kind of a two-pronged approach here. We've, uh, we've really slowed down our sponsorship for the 2020 season because we are working on a, a project that's going to be a massive conflict of interest if we were to supporting any other athletes or teams at the time. So we didn't want to put 
anyone in any really sticky situations so that uh, we could focus our attention on that and bring that to market without there being any kind of legal issues uh, or contractual issues that uh, might arise. So we had to insulate ourselves and step away from a lot of great teams, Kona being one of them. Um, and we decided to do that in November of uh, 2019. We had a good run with Kona. I mean, it went through the entire EWS season without a problem on any of our products. Um, we struggled a bit, definitely, with uh, with our rims uh, at uh, Mount St. Anne and at Fort William, uh, where we tried to get some feedback from them and learn a bit. I mean, it was the first season we've ever had going into the World Cup. We've ne never had any experience with testing rims or product at those events and if anybody thinks that oh, just stock product gets run there it's like no that's where we we bring you know new products and new layups and new designs and those guys are riding full custom stuff and we use them to kind of push the, la the limits and the boundaries because they are taking the product to that point where no one else ever will uh so yeah i mean it was what i thought was a, a successful campaign in 2019 and um we did have an option to renew with them and we decided not to so we stepped aside and uh it looks like uh, i think Andy picked them up for this year yeah it's funny I, an article came out recently that is kind of what prompted me and wanted me to ask you about this but um you know it felt like the article was i think these things can get into a little bit of he said she said it wasn't actually like a mutual decision between you and Kona or I don't know. I just, I'm curious to get your side of events here, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great marketing piece for, for one of our largest competitors to, to jump on for sure. And, and a lot of people know that we sponsored the Kona world cup team last year and for them to change a wheel sponsor, um, to another carbon manufacturer. And, and, you know, there's a great piece there, but unfortunately, you know, don't misconstrue the points there. We definitely decided not to sponsor uh, the Kona World Cup team. We had more than enough option and we had agreements early on to continue. But like I said in the in previously, and, and we'll lead into here, is there's more we chose not to go down that road because of what we have on the go so that we're not uh, backing ourselves into a corner or any kind of contractual um, litigation based on what we've got going on. So that was our reason to, to leave. I really wish we could have stuck out with them and I really wanted to, but I felt, and also my lawyers felt that this was going to put us in a position where we were gonna end up um, probably having more than a few fights on our hands if we went down that road. So uh, we decided to step away and, and, and yeah, pass that one up. All right, you've hinted at this a couple times now. So I've, I need to ask you about this current project. Um, what have you guys been working on? Well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not really something that I would call super secret. Uh, I've definitely hinted numerous times in the past on many podcasts and whatnot that our goal with We Are One is to eventually manufacture a bicycle. Um, and we are getting really, really close to achieving that um, for 2020. Uh, it'll be late 2020, but uh, yeah, we're, we're through the initial... Um, mold design and designs phases. Uh, we're into early production, well not early production, prototype production of the carbon bike. So we're not starting with a mule, we've gone right into mold cutting and tooling and we've pulled our first few uh, front triangles and we're about to pull our first rear triangle out of, out of the molds um, hmm. and then start beginning uh, to test and uh, proof out our, our concepts and, and make changes for production for, uh, 
for the bike. Uh, so it's a year ahead of schedule and it's the single biggest thing that we've been working on uh, all winter long. And like I said, it harkens back to the conversation with uh, why we've decided to drop a lot of sponsored athletes this year is because we are one will be will be uh, coming to the market with a bike pretty cool um yeah it's a really cool project i mean it's a it's uh playing to the 90 percent rule like i've said in the past with our rims and we're trying to do everything as best as we can so we have kind of a uh, we've hit all aspects uh, as best we can and it won't be one thing really well and another thing poorly it'll just be uh that kind of hits all the boxes and uh, does something um the best it can so how many iterations of this frame would you guess today that you guys are going to have to go through till you feel like you get it dialed as far as layup or like angle and geometry design and stuff like that great question i'm thinking more about like actual builds right so yeah i'm thinking more of it from the, just the, the builds point of view if you had to set like the over under i think that we've so i think we've we've nailed the geometry i i personally we've we spent well i spent my entire year last year i had six bikes if you can believe it uh, everyone was like why you got a new bike this week i'm like i'm just you know trying them all out want to see what's good and what i do like and what i don't like so we went through a lot of bikes last year to find out what i was keen on what were where we were progressing or where the industry with geometry was progressing um I knew really well what I wanted out of the kinematics and we worked with our designer on that for quite a while. But the biggest thing is the design for the, the geometry and I think we've nailed that. I don't think we're going to make any major pressing changes. There might be maybe a, a steer tube or sorry, a head tube or a stack or a reach adjustment, but it won't be major. Um, I would be, I'd be pretty blown away if we did major changes there. Uh, but as far as the layup goes, that will all depend depend on where we go with testing. Um, right now we've got four main layups that we've been working with from, based on FEA analysis and we're just waiting for our test rigs to be finished because we have to complete the rear end so that we can uh, put those through the paces and see if the, uh, the models prove out to be what they say they're supposed to be on the computer. And uh, if they make the fatigue from both ISO and EFBE, uh, which is the the key here is making uh, a safe bike that meets all of the the standards necessary and exceeds them if possible. Um, so that'll be the biggest challenge there, and I would say that's going to take us a solid uh, three to four months before we have something that um, we can get to not have not too heavy, have a good ride feel. We you know we start to really fine tune uh, the bike, and I think that's uh, that's where we'll spend all of our time for sure. And there'll be a number of that uh, in the next little while. So. Sometimes the reason to do something like, you know, start building bikes is because you are identifying a certain gap in the current market. Um, sometimes the reason is, well, because you can and you guys just want to kind of put your own spin and provide your own flavor. How would you talk about, you know, the reason for going into, you know, a new market? Yeah, so that one's that's going to be the largest thing that we we will be bringing to the market. I think it'll be the ability to adapt to many things with one product. Um, I can't really go into great detail on it because it's something that we want to leave to the very end. Um, but we're not making 
four different versions of this bike and saying it's a trail bike it's an enduro bike it's a you know an all mountain bike it's a this bike and that that we want the bike to be able to do everything really well uh, and have the ability to be a really nice weighted trail bike but also a bike that you can take to an EWS and race without any hesitation so we can elaborate on that as we grow but that's kind of where I'll leave it for now and uh, we noticed that I think there's a, a place in the market for a company that can do everything really well uh, and there currently isn't one bike company out there that's offering you know a multi-platform bicycle um, at all you have to buy you know if you want to buy a trail bike you got to buy you know a tall boy or a you know if to use santa cruz model you got to buy a tall boy you got to buy a, a high tower and you got to buy a mega tower if you want to be any one of those slots um, our goal is to slot all of those into one the one bike quiver you got her that's uh, that's yeah. our goal interesting well we'll look forward to learning more and seeing more um and uh <laughs> good luck yeah it's uh it's exciting i mean we're it's we've been biting our tongue i think there's a lot of blood in our mouths we want to we want to release this out as is you know so bad but uh we always you know keep on telling each other just hold on just hold on just hold on it's not the right time and you know the covid thing has really put a, a damper on that and i think uh we're getting close to, to letting everybody know what we're up to so uh it, it'll it'll come out uh, in a little more detail in the next uh month and a bit all right well before i let you go now you know this show is called bikes and big ideas and you're clearly a guy who has quite a lot of ideas. So I'm just curious whether you might have a big idea to share with us, you know, something you've just been thinking about a lot, or maybe something that's just really out there and outrageous and wild. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of plans and a lot of big ideas, uh, as a company, um, probably not under the, we are one brand, but once you, once you start to see the capability or the uh, yeah, the capability of carbon composites, the limitations of what you could possibly come up with are, are, are pretty amazing. We've talked about possibly making electric cars. We've talked about, you know, what would it be like to have a, a hypercar, like, you know, one-off kind of Koenigsegg idea where we make all of the parts here out of composites and it's vertically integrated like we did with We Are One there's those kind of wild ideas but for me the kind of person i am i i i've focused my attention on on the current model where we're at and i i think my goal for me my big idea is to have a successful company where it takes everything into consideration and everybody that is involved is extremely excited to be involved and wants to be there every day and the company shows its appreciation for its employees and for the people that do make this all possible um, and something that will be able to weather storms like we currently are in. I mean, that's uh, that's the big one for me and then it's kind of where I'm focused right now because, uh, you know, when we're in these times, you got to kind of narrow it down a bit and make sure that uh, you're doing what you're, you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Dustin, um, this has been fun and... Um, I really appreciate the time and the conversation. And uh, mostly as we've been hearing all this, you know, banging and slamming of stuff around behind you, I, I'm really, uh, 
I'm just like, I got to let you get back out there into the factory and go make stuff. Yeah, well, next time, uh, you know, hopefully we talk a little more about the bike. And uh, I appreciate the, the, the conversation for sure. And I think in another month, we'll be in our new facility where we'll have a quiet room and you won't have to hear the, uh, the noise in the background. <laughs> well, well, sounds good. And uh, it'd be fun to get out there. Come check it out, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, we have uh, the We Are One weekend in September, October. Hopefully everything uh, is calmed down by then. And, yeah. Uh, that would be a good one for you guys to come out. It's a, it's a blast. It's a party we put on and uh, host a ride, a full dinner in the bush and uh, camping. It's a, it's a good time. Maybe you should come out for that. I think we might need to do that. So, well, hey, man, listen, appreciate the time. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing uh, the new releases coming down the line. And um, yeah, best of luck with all of it. Hey, thanks a lot. And I appreciate it. All right, man, you take care. That's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. Thanks to Dustin for the conversation. Thanks to Jared Farley for producing this episode. And thanks to you for listening. Until next time, please take good care out there, and we will talk to you again next week.